welcome to the Nutrition Science Podcast, where we help you cut through the noise and make informed, science-based decisions about nutrition and your health. How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Nutrition Science Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Adrian Chavez. And in this episode, we are going to be discussing the role of saturated fat in health. And we're going to take a deep dive into this topic. We're going to discuss what saturated fats are, the different types of saturated fatty acids, where they're found in our diet, and the role of saturated fat consumption in various health outcomes. So this is going to be a pretty complicated topic overall. It's just a complicated topic. There's a lot of nuance to this topic. So my goal is to give you a little bit, bit of that nuance, but then also take a bigger picture approach and really help you to understand what this new information may mean for you and the choices that you make in terms of your dietary habits. Before we get started, I want to encourage you, if you haven't already, to tune into the previous episode of the show. The previous episode, I interviewed my good friend, Dr. Crystal Zuniga, who is a cancer dietitian. She's a professor at University of Texas. She is the go-to person when it comes to cancer for me. And I wanted to, her to share her wisdom and knowledge with all of you because cancer is a very important topic. One in two men are going to experience cancer in their lifetime. One in three women are going to experience cancer in their lifetime. And it's really good if you have an understanding beforehand, because if you ever did happen to get a diagnosis, which I don't wish upon anyone, that's a scary time. And having a little bit of understanding of nutrition, what's important, is going to help you navigate that a lot better. Because if you get diagnosed and you're scared and you're desperate, there's a lot of people who are willing to prey on you and make promises that you can cure cancer without without conventional treatments and things like that. And you don't want to be put in that position when you're going through that type of you know very difficult time. So in this episode, we talk about myths around cancer, fasting and ketogenic diets as cancer therapies. What's a focus on if you do get diagnosed and much more. It's a really good episode. I highly recommend tuning in. Another thing, if you haven't already, I would really appreciate it if you're enjoying the show and you want to go leave a review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to the show, that would be really helpful. Reviews are what help get this show to more people. The more reviews, the more likely Apple is going to show it to more people. And that helps to build the show and get it out to more people, which is my goal. The podcast is growing pretty quickly. I'm really excited to see the the week-to-week growth in terms of downloads and I think we're close to like 100,000 downloads from these first 10 episodes already, and it's it's going really good. So I really appreciate all of you. I get tagged in you know social media posts and things like that, and it's really great to see that the effort that I'm putting into the show is actually having a positive impact. And I put in a lot of effort to some of these shows. This, this one specifically on saturated fat and health, as you'll see, it's very research-based. And this is going to be a masterclass for anyone who's had questions about this topic in the past. So let's go ahead and get into the topic and discuss uh, what saturated fats are. So saturated fats are one of the two major dietary fat classifications. So you may have heard of saturated fats and then unsaturated fats. So we have the saturated fats and there's various types of saturated fats that we'll discuss. And then we have the unsaturated fats. And among the unsaturated fats, we have the monounsaturated fats, we have polyunsaturated fats, and then we have the omega-3 polyunsaturated fats, the omega-6 polyunsaturated fats. There's various classifications. So we've discussed the omega-3s in a previous episode of the show. I think we talked about that in episode number six. So you can go check that out if you want to learn more about the omega-3 polyunsaturated fats. 
We haven't discussed Omega-6s yet. We'll probably do an episode on that because these are highly demonized because they're a primary fat found in the quote-unquote seed oils. We'll talk a little bit about that on this episode, but I'll probably do a more in-depth episode on the omega-6 um, unsaturated fats and then the monounsaturated fats. We'll probably discuss a little bit more you know, through various episodes. But today, primary focus is going to be on the saturated fats. The primary difference, quickly, the primary difference between saturated and unsaturated fats is chemical structure. This isn't based on like actual health properties. So some people think like these are classified based on, you know, these are good, these are bad or, or things like that. It's it's all based on chemical structure. And the chemical structure of these fats doesn't necessarily mean that they're, you know, quote unquote, good or bad. They just have a different structure than one another. So when it comes to unsaturated fats, unsaturated fats, have at least one double bond in their carbon chain and saturated fats have no double bonds. So that's the difference between these two in terms of the chemical structure. Saturated fats tend to be solid at room temperature and unsaturated fats tend to be liquid. So that's one thing that we can tell is if you look at a fat at room temperature, if it's unsaturated, it's most likely gonna be liquid. If it's saturated, it's most likely gonna be solid. There's a few caveats to this, like for example, coconut oil will be solid or will be liquid at room temperature, depending on what your room temperature is. Generally speaking, this is how it works. So when it comes to the saturated fats, there are different types of saturated fats. You may have heard of this before. So saturated fats are further classified by their chain link. And the chain link means the number of carbons in that certain type of fat. So every type of fat has different carbon links and then the double bonds are at different places and things like that. These little chemical differences are, are how we define these things. And it, and again, it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, it's healthier because it it's fits within this classification. These are just differences in chemical structure. So when it comes to saturated fats, we have what are called the short chain fatty acids. These are, these are fatty acids that have between two and six carbons. Then we have medium chain. There's a little bit of controversy or a little bit of disagreement as to what would be classified as quote unquote medium chain. It really doesn't matter. But generally speaking, some people say six to 12, some people say six to 14, some people say eight to 14. In terms of carbon link, there's no like concrete classification for what a medium chain fatty acid is, but it's those that have a carbon link that is in the middle, essentially. So we have the short chain, two to six carbons. We have the medium chain, six to 12, and then anything above 12 is gonna be considered a long chain fatty acid. So there are numerous types of saturated fatty acids, but there are just a few that are mainly found in the human diet. We have stearic acid, which is 18 carbons long. That's found in tallow, lard, butter, chocolate. Palmitic acid, which is 16 carbons long. That's primarily found in meat, dairy. Also palm oil, palmitic acid. Um, palm oil is very high in palmitic acid. And then also there's some of that in chocolate as well of palmitic acid. And there's a little bit of palmitic acid in olive oil. Maristic acid, which is 14 carbons long. It's some of the fatty acids in coconut oil and palm oil or myristic acid and a little bit of butter. And then some of the fatty acids in like beef and lamb are also myristic acid. Then we have lauric acid, which is a primary fat source in, in coconut oil. And that's 12 carbons long. Then we have capric acid, caprylic acid, and caproic acid. These are all medium chain fats. They're all found in palm oil, coconut oil, and dairy. So medium chain fats are mainly found in palm, coconut oil, and dairy. And then some of the longer chain fats are mainly found in like beef, 
lard, butter, those type of things. And I know butter is dairy, but butter has a specific fatty acid structure and it's a little bit different than other forms of dairy because of the way that it's processed. So there's a difference in the way that the fats are packaged in the food and that's different between butter and dairy. So just simple. I know people, because you hear me say butter and then dairy differently and people may think, oh, butter is dairy. That I'm talking, when I'm saying dairy, I mean things like milk, cheese, yogurt, okay? There's also the shorter chain fatty acids. So that was all like medium and long chain. The shorter chain fatty acids, butyric acid, propionic acid, and acetic acid. These are mainly formed by microbes in our intestines when they break down fiber and undigestible carbohydrates. So these short chain fatty acids have several health promoting properties that reduce inflammation, primary fuel source for our colonocytes. They're really important for health. They seem to have like numerous health benefits, but we, we don't, they're not found in the human diet in any appreciable level. So there's a very, very small amount in butter, but in a butyrate, but there's not really much of these short chain fatty acids in our diet. We primarily get these short chain fatty acids through our microbes. And it's one of the reasons that our microbiome is so important. And one of the reasons that, that fiber, you know, this is thought to be one of the reasons that fiber has health benefits is when we eat fiber and other undigestible carbs, things like resistant starches, and these are called microbiota accessible carbohydrates. And if we don't digest them, then the microbes in our gut will, and they'll break these down. And the, the byproducts of the digestion are these short chain fatty acids. And they seem to have a benefit there. There's been some attempts to turn this butyrate compound because it seems to be one of the most beneficial compounds into a supplement. I haven't seen any good human trials on this. Sometimes we try to replicate what nature provides us, you know, because the microbes and fiber kind of create these fatty acids. We try to replicate that, but it doesn't have the same effect. So the evidence on, on the short chain fatty acids in terms of like supplementation is very underdeveloped. There may be some great data in the future, but at this point, I haven't seen any good human trials showing benefits from supplementation with these short chain fatty acids. And I just wanted to mention that because uh, I get questions about supplementing with butyrate a lot. And I've seen people who who do so, and I just don't see any evidence for it at this point. There's no human trials that have shown benefits of supplementing with butyrate. I recommend instead focusing on consuming more higher fiber and, and resistant starch containing foods. So short and medium chain fatty acids, they're metabolically different than long chain fatty acids. Our body processes them different. And this is a very important thing to understand. So these fats are absorbed into the bloodstream without being packaged into triglycerides and chylomicrons, and they're just passively absorbed. So when we eat longer chain fats, basically our body has to, it has to use different ways to get it into the blood or to get it across the, the gut, into the bloodstream, and then also deliver it to various tissues. Short and medium chain fatty acids can just diffuse into the bloodstream be absorbed into various cells and, and be used for energy in that way. It's a much longer process for the longer chain fatty acids. They have to be packaged into triglycerides and then chylomicrons. Chylomicrons are basically a, a boat that, that transports fat throughout the body and, and takes it to where it needs to go. This seems to be an advantage for the short and medium chain fats in terms of providing you know, readily usable energy. And then also this energy is more easily converted into ketones in the liver. 
So these medium chain fatty acids, because we don't consume short chain fatty acids, but using medium chain fatty acids, you'll see there's a many of the medium chain fats that they'll be titled C8, like medium chain fats, and it's mostly this eight carbon caprylic acid. And the reason that these are often used and, and they became very popular during like the low carb keto craze, which is kind of dying off now, it seems like. But these medium chain fats can induce ketosis more quickly just because of the way that they're metabolized. So that's a way that they're often used in that way is to to kind of use a MCT oil to provide ketones. And ketones are important. They're an important source of energy for the brain when we don't get enough glucose. So our brain uses glucose or ketones. Our brain can't use fatty acids the way that most of our other tissues can. So our brain relies really heavily on carbohydrate consumption. And then when you go into like a low-carb ketogenic diet, there's a period of time where, um, you know, blood glucose is low, ketones aren't being produced, and the brain may be, you know, lacking energy for that period of time. And these medium-chain fats can help to induce ketosis more quickly to provide that energy for the brain more quickly. So the most common dietary medium-chain fat is the 12-carbon fat lauric acid. And it's the predominant fat in coconut and palm oil. These oils also have smaller amounts of caprylic, caprylic, and caproic acid, the other medium chain fats. And then dairy also has some of these medium chain fats, as I mentioned, but that they make up under 5% of the total fatty acids. Coconut oil and palm oil, the 8, 10, and 6 carbon fatty acids don't make up a large percentage of the fats in those oils. But when you buy an MCT, the difference between an MCT supplement typically is that they're basically adding more caprylic acid, the eight carbon fatty acid, because there is some evidence that consumption, and I'll talk about this a little bit later, but consumption of high amounts of lauric acid may trigger inflammation and may not be an ideal thing to do. So there's a reason why some of these supplements, you know, why, why an MCT oil may be a little bit more favorable than a coconut oil if you're trying to get those medium chain fats. The longer chain saturated fats include the 14 carbon myristic acid, which I talked about earlier, found in coconut and palm oil. And then I didn't mention these a second ago, but there, there's two types of fats, primarily two types of fats. There's so many different types of fatty acids that we can't go into detail on all of them, but two primary types of fats that are termed the odd chain fatty acids. And these are 15 and 17 carbon fatty acids that are mostly found in dairy foods. So these are the odd chain fats. You'll see why I mentioned these a little bit later but these are primarily found in dairy foods. And then we have the 16 and 18 carbon fats that are mostly found in meat, tallow, lard, butter, and then also a little bit in palm oil as well. So these are mainly found in animal foods. So the longer chain fatty acids essentially are, are primarily found in animal foods, although chocolate and palm oil are other foods that can provide you know, higher amounts of these 16 and 18 carbon fats. So this is you know kind of a general overview, saturated fats, where they're found, but it's important to note that most foods are all foods. They, they don't contain one fatty acid. Like when you eat a food, it's not you're consuming lauric acid or you're consuming palmitic acid or you're consuming stearic acid. That's not how it works. And a lot of studies do this and they will actually isolate one saturated fatty acid and expose people to them. And we have a lot of evidence on the various exposures of single fatty acids and things like that. But that's not, that, that's not reality. Like we don't eat single saturated fats. And, and it's important to understand these things from a scientific perspective for scientists who really want to like get into the weeds of saturated fats and the potential roles on our potential impact on health. But for, for the average person, these 
you know, individual fatty acids and diving into this, I don't think is important, relevant, et cetera. So my um, approach to this is discussing it more from a food-based perspective. So every food is going to have a mix of fatty acids. And so, for example, like chocolate, for example, it has stearic acid, it has oleic acid, it has palmitic acid. And it's about, you know, equally split, split between those to a certain degree. And that's the fatty acid structure. We cannot make, you know, claims about chocolate based on the individual fats. We have to look at how all of them are impacting a various outcome or a specific outcome. And so when we look at, say, chocolate or dairy, we're not individually thinking about, okay, palmitic acid is good, stearic acid is not so good, so this, the net effect may be this. It's too complicated to approach it in that way. And what we do want to do, and I wanted to talk about the fatty acids just to kind of get you to understand the complexity of the different types of fatty acids. But what we're going to do from here is really talk about it more from an overarching perspective. Total saturated fat and then different food sources of saturated fat. So like I said, there's a lot of data, there's a lot of evidence looking at various fatty acids, single fatty acids on health outcomes. Not going to talk about that much. What we're going to focus on from here on out is overall saturated fat and then in different food sources of saturated fat. So that's what we're going to be talking about. Let's go ahead and jump into the studies looking at the relationship between saturated fat and health outcomes. As you already know, if you've been listening to the show for a while, I like to start off with major health outcomes, big studies that compile a lot of data and look at those relationships and then get a little deeper into the weeds. And when it comes to major health outcomes, the things that we're focused on, mortality, heart disease, cancer, potentially diabetes, but mortality, which is death from any cause, heart disease and cancer are probably the three main things that I like to focus on from an overarching perspective, because those are the things that most of us are going to likely die from if we live long enough. So the first paper I want to discuss is a report that was just published by the World Health Organization. It's titled Saturated Fat and Trans Fats Intakes and Their Replacement with Other Macronutrients, a Systematic Review and Meta-Analyses of Prospective Observational Studies. So if you want to find that article, you can just type that in. I'm also going to post all of the links to all of the research in the show notes, and there's going to be a lot of citations for those who may want to read more about this topic. This study compiled the results of 112 publications that included almost 3.7 million people. So this is a massive study. These are the type of studies that I like to start with to kind of give a general overview. The authors reported a 15% lower risk of death from any cause for replacing 5% of total energy intake from saturated fats with polyunsaturated fats. This is an important discussion because when we look at diet, we don't, like when we look at the impact of eating a food, it has to fit within our dietary pattern. And if you're eating more saturated fat, it's going to be replacing something else. So I really like these studies that are do that do these types of statistical analyses on replacements because they help us understand like, okay, eating less of this food may be good if we replace it with this, but if you're eating less of this and you're replacing it with another type of food, maybe it's not so good. So, um, this type of study is really beneficial in my opinion. And so in this, with that, they looked at, you know, polyunsaturated fat versus saturated fat, 15% lower risk of death from any cause for switching 5% of energy for, from saturated fat to 5% of energy from polyunsaturated fats. 
And same thing, they also saw a 15% lower risk of death for switching saturated fats for monounsaturated fats. And then they found an 8% lower risk of death from any cause for substituting saturated fats with carbohydrates. And this study, when they, they did like some sub-analyses, the, the substitution for carbohydrates was statistically significant, meaning that there was a reduction in, in risk of all-cause mortality and cardiovascular disease by substituting 5% of energy from saturated fats for low glycemic carbohydrates, which are carbohydrates that are going to be higher in fiber. And this relationship wasn't necessarily there with high glycemic carbohydrates. And in the studies that I'm not necessarily discussing right now, but this is a consistent pattern in the data. So when we, when we substitute 5% of energy or percentage of energy from saturated fat for High fiber whole grains, good thing. When we substitute it for polyunsaturated fat sources, seems to be a good thing. When we substitute it for monounsaturated fat sources, seems to be a good thing. When we substitute it for refined carbohydrates, doesn't seem to be a good thing. And it's important to note because you know we have a, a large percentage of, of the diet is refined carbohydrates. So when we look at studies that aren't doing substitutions, that are just comparing those who are eating more saturated fat versus those who aren't, it could be that those who are eating less are eating more refined carbohydrates. So in that substitution or in that study, because they're not doing a substitution and they're not showing, you know, what the effect would be of those substitutions, they're looking at just this person's pattern versus this person. And this person's pattern may have higher saturated fat. This person's pattern may have higher refined carbohydrates. And and it seems that there's no risk associated with saturated fat consumption because there's multiple studies that have been published on this they show no relationship between saturated fat consumption and these outcomes, but they're often not doing these substitutions. And these substitutions are what's important because understanding how overall dietary pattern may impact a health outcome as opposed to like just increasing or decreasing one nutrient. So there's a lot of studies, and I discussed this in the egg episode as well, that look at saturated fat consumption and look at these relationships, but then they're comparing um, populations who eat very low amounts and then there's not a relationship because the difference between the low consumption and high consumption is almost nothing. And, and so this is why this 5% substitution is also important because sometimes you'll see papers published out of Asian countries typically, and I see this by individuals who are trying to say that saturated fat has no negative health outcomes. They'll share these papers and it's like coming out of Hong Kong, for example, and the high group is eating 5% of their diet from saturated fat and the low group is eating like 2%. And the difference is like 3% of their diet from saturated fat. And because the thresholds are so low, it's not enough to, to detect any differences between the groups. And this is, this is where a lot of the controversy around this topic comes from is that in the U.S., saturated fat, you know, consumption is I think about 11%. So when you look at low versus high groups, you're looking at, you know, 4% versus 11%. There's a big difference there and that's enough to identify differences in health outcomes. When you're looking at populations where there's a very small difference, it's not enough of a variation to identify differences in health outcomes. And you'll see a lot of cherry-picked data around this, and you'll see people sharing studies and saying, oh, saturated fat has no negative health outcomes because this study showed it didn't. And oftentimes what you'll find is a lot of times those studies are not coming from the U.S. or the main, you know, U.S., U.K., and Australia are kind of the main uh, the main countries that have the higher saturated fat consumptions that we see these 
relationships that seem to be stronger. So these results in that study are very similar to another study that was published in 2020 by Kim and colleagues. And in that study, they showed a 5% reduction in risk of all-cause mortality with 5% increased consumption of polyunsaturated fats, and then also increased risk of death from any cause, and then also increased risk of death for cardiovascular disease. These differences were only 3% with consuming 5% more energy from saturated fat. And then there was also a 9% increased risk of cancer among high saturated fat consumers. So in this study, this was one of those studies that I mentioned, and this is another meta-analyses, several studies that were included in this, um, where they're just looking at, they're not doing a substitution analysis, they're just looking at the effect of consuming more saturated fat. In this study, the highest consumers of saturated fat had a 3% increased risk of cardiovascular disease. It's very small. And you can see how that very small can become not statistically significant. And the reason being is because we're just looking at saturated fat consumption. We're not doing these substitution analyses. So the substitutions help us to, to get better data about dietary pattern. Eating more saturated fat, not that bad compared to the other things that people tend to eat. Eating more saturated fat as opposed to eating more polyunsaturated fat or as opposed to eating more high fiber carbohydrates. Or like, let's say, for example, you're going on a keto diet. So you took out oatmeal and whole grains and you replace that with butter you're trying to go on a higher fat diet. The based on the data we have, there's likely a negative impact of doing that, of taking out these high fiber whole grains and replacing them with fat. Now, if you took out refined grains, if you were eating a bunch of, you know, crackers and things like that and you substituted those for butter or a saturated fat source, there may be a benefit of that or there may be no difference whatsoever in terms of risk of various diseases. But when it comes to substituting for high fiber grains, polyunsaturated fats, monounsaturated fats, there's likely going to be a slightly increased risk when you're consuming more saturated fats in place of those foods. So that's the study that was published in 2020. Again, these are very consistent. There's a meta-analysis published on saturated fat every year, and some of them will show no effect depending on the studies that they include in the criteria that they're using, and then, but most of them are showing slight increase in risk with higher saturated fat consumption. So this is pretty consistent. It's it's very small, the increase in risk. Like I, I, I think it's important to understand the magnitude. So if I say, you know, saturated fat consumption increases your risk of cardiovascular disease. In this study, it was a 3% increase among the highest groups. It's very minimal. So we really have to understand the magnitude of effect. So me saying that saturated fat consumption increases risk of heart disease shouldn't scare you because you, if you have the context, okay, really high amounts can slightly increase risk. And we'll get into more details about, you know, a little bit more caveats there in a, in a second. But this is something, you know, the magnitude of effect is very important. So when we look at different types of saturated fat, so, so this is overall saturated fat consumption. So when we look at overall saturated fat, some, there's a minor relationship. But when we look at different types of saturated fats, we find that chocolate, chocolate consumption actually has positive effects on cardiovascular disease. So the effect of all saturated fats are including chocolate and chocolate has a positive effect. So, you know, there's slight increased risk of all saturated fats, but on the other hand, chocolate has positive effects on cardiovascular disease, on mortality, and on various health outcomes, insulin sensitivity, blood pressure, a lot of data to show beneficial effects of chocolate. And chocolate has, you know, some of the fatty acids that, that we, we consider to be 
quote unquote unhealthy. But we have to look at the whole food. And the whole food that chocolate provides, you know, some flavonoids and other things that are beneficial for our health, micronutrients, fiber. And so these things are important. They are what determine the impact of the food, not the individual fatty acids. The whole food is what matters, not the individual fatty acids. So chocolate seems to have a positive effect. Butter seems to be like no increase or decrease in risk in terms of consuming more butter. And then when we look at dairy fats, there seems to be a slightly protective effect of consuming dairy fats, not to the degree of chocolate. But when we look at biomarker studies, when we look at studies of individual fatty acids, the 15 and 17 carbon fatty acids, the odd chain fatty acids is what they're often referred to. Um, they seem to be to have benefits. Like they actually seem to reduce risk of cardiovascular disease. And this is something that, you know, we really need to do more research on, but the picture when it comes to saturated fat has gotten a lot more complicated because 15 years ago, we used to think saturated fat equals bad because we saw these relationships. But now as we're pulling out these various individual fatty acids and individual foods, we're kind of seeing, okay, it's not really how it works. You know, saturated fat is not necessarily quote unquote bad. Saturated fat is you know, just a nutrient and there's various types of saturated fats and there's foods that contain these saturated fats and the foods, impact of those foods are what we really need to focus on. So when we think about that, saturated fats from chocolate seem to be not harmful. Dairy seem to be really not harmful. So a lot of this negative effect is driven most likely by saturated fats from meat. And this is going to be primarily palmitic acid, stearic acid, and other fatty acids. But we see this association between meat consumption and these negative health outcomes as well. It's likely to be slightly driven by saturated fat content of the meat. An important thing to note is that the impact on cardiovascular disease risk from consumption of saturated fats is attributed to their ability to raise LDL cholesterol levels. So saturated fats in general raise LDL cholesterol levels. The medium chain fats the, don't necessarily do that like the six to 10 carbon medium chain fats don't necessarily do that, but like lauric acid can increase cholesterol levels. All of the fatty acids essentially can increase cholesterol levels relative to other foods. So when we look at the long chain saturated fats and then also lauric acid, these can all increase cholesterol levels. The degree to which they increase LDL cholesterol levels varies, but we know that the saturated fat from meat, eggs, and butter can have a pretty pronounced effect. And then the medium chain fatty acids from coconut have kind of a lower impact on LDL cholesterol. The odd chain fats, I, I don't think we have much data on those because they're found in such small amounts in various foods that it's not something that we're going to be too concerned with on their impact on LDL cholesterol. Because if you're consuming, for example, dairy, well, we look at the effect of dairy on LDL cholesterol. And high fat dairy can increase LDL cholesterol. High fat dairy can increase cholesterol, eggs, butter, these things can all increase LDL cholesterol. And this is thought to be one of the mechanisms through which, or one of the primary mechanisms through which saturated fats increase cardiovascular disease risk. An important thing to note though, uh, when it comes to the relationship between saturated fat and LDL cholesterol, there's significant genetic variation between person to person. And I think this is really important to consider. I talked about this in the egg episode. At this point, there's 14 genetic variants that have been identified that, that modify the relationship between saturated fat and LDL cholesterol response. So if I consume, let's say, for example, I had 
three tablespoons of butter every single day. And someone else who had different genetics than me had three tablespoons of butter every single day. There could be significant variation in the response. The one person could have no change in LDL cholesterol whatsoever. And then on the other hand, you know, my LDL cholesterol could go up 25 milligrams per deciliter. My response or my risk from saturated fat consumption, my cardiovascular risk from saturated fat consumption is likely going to be much higher than the other person who had no LDL response. And this is really important to understand because if you're someone who has just a naturally low LDL cholesterol, which is, which is common, again, there's just massive variation in genetics when it comes to LDL responsiveness. If you're someone who just has a really low LDL cholesterol and you know, following your normal diet, your LDL cholesterol is low, it's never been a problem, you don't have a family history in that area, it's probably not, a, a, you know, saturated fat is probably not something that is going to lead to higher consumption of saturated fat. It's probably not going to be something that's going to lead to any major negative health consequences from a cardiovascular perspective. But if you're someone who's very responsive to saturated fat consumption, your LDL goes up quickly, you have a family history of heart disease, saturated fat, Maybe something particularly from like meat and butter and these longer chain fatty acids might be something you want to limit. And so this is, you know, it's very important to understand this. And again, I talked about this during the egg episode, but I think it's just not talked about enough. And the genetic variation between various individuals in their response to saturated fat consumption is just dramatic. So the long-term risks are of consuming higher amounts of saturated fat. Again, they're marginal overall. They're probably larger if you have a very responsive LDL cholesterol. You know, your LDL cholesterol goes high when you consume more saturated fats. Probably very little risk if you don't have that type of response. So that's kind of the high-level overview. Another thing I want to talk about, and I'm not going to spend too much time on this because it gets really complicated and I think I've already covered a lot of the important high-level information but I want to really drive the point home that, you know, saturated fats are not without consequence. There's a lot of people who are promoting saturated fat consumption, promoting high levels of saturated fat consumption, and they're saying that there's no risk of consuming these higher amounts of saturated fat. And, you know, I've talked about overall mortality, you know, overall risk of cardiovascular disease. There, You can make justifications for why that evidence isn't isn't worth paying attention to, which is what a lot of these people do. But what I want to do now is talk about a couple of short-term studies that have compared saturated fat consumption to the consumption of other types of fats and that have shown negative health outcomes, the undesirable effects. So there was one study that was published in 2014 that overfed participants either sunflower oil or palm oil for a period of seven weeks. They were trying to get them to I think it was gained like 5% of their total body weight. So they were overfeeding them a few hundred calories per day of either sunflower oil or palm oil. Palm oil is rich in palmitic acid, as we've discussed before. It's a saturated fat. And they found increased visceral and liver fat accumulation in the palm oil condition relative to the other condition. And they found increased visceral fat and liver fat accumulation in the palm oil relative to the sunflower oil group. There was another study that was published in 2006 that compared four different dietary approaches that were done for two weeks each. They looked at 
a high PUFA condition where they gave people a high polyunsaturated fat margarine along with walnuts versus a high monounsaturated fat condition where they gave people lots of monounsaturated fat and some almonds. And then they looked at a condition where they just gave them butter and that was a high saturated fat condition. And then another condition where they gave them crackers and jam. They had them do this for two weeks and they fed them to where the calories were isocaloric. So they didn't gain and lose weight on any of these protocols. They did them for two weeks and then they would do the next one, then do the next one. So this is called a crossover study. Everyone serves as their own control. So let's say, for example, I did two weeks on butter, my LDL went up, then I did two weeks on, you know, the margarine and my LDL went down. Well, I can compare myself to myself and see, you know, what's happening. So these type of studies provide a lot of good data. And so in this study, after the two weeks of butter, there was a deterioration in flow-mediated dilation. This is the blood vessel's ability to dilate. So when we, and most people don't understand this, but when, so our heart's pumping blood, but our blood vessels are also opening and closing to help that blood get to where it needs to go. And the ability of our blood vessels to dilate is important for blood pressure and cardiovascular disease risk. And during these two weeks, when these individuals consumed, it was 50 grams of butter, it was like two tablespoons. During those two weeks, their flow-mediated dilation went down like 15%. So we're talking about a negative effect on blood vessel dilation. And then they also found increased markers of various inflammatory markers were increased relative to the other conditions, relative to all the other conditions. Like butter had a worse effect on these outcomes than jam and crackers did. Not saying jam and crackers are a better option, but in this specific study, uh, the outcomes that they were looking at, butter had a more negative effect. And so another, you know, just shorter term study kind of showing some negative health effects of consuming, you know, higher amounts of saturated fat. The last study I want to talk about is there was a study in 2018 that overfed participants a thousand calories per day. So these overfeeding studies, they're just trying to look at like, is there a negative effect? Because you're going to drive a negative effect when you overfeed people. Excess calories is harmful to health. And so they're looking at, okay, is, can, is the saturated fat causing a worse health effect or is it you know, not as bad? And in this study, they gave people either a combination of saturated fats, a combination of unsaturated fats, or a combination of simple sugars for a period of three weeks. And again, they were overfeeding them 1,000 calories per day. And they found that the saturated fat condition contributed to greater increases in insulin resistance and liver fat accumulation than the other conditions. And this is thought to be the result of the fact that saturated fats can activate inflammatory responses. So various saturated fats, lauric acid has been shown to do this, but in cell culture studies and mechanistically, they can activate what's called toll-like receptor and other inflammatory mediators. And so higher levels, like up to a certain point, probably not doing that, when we get to higher levels of saturated fat in specific meal or over the course of our diet, and particularly it's, it's most likely these longer chain fatty acids that are driving a lot of this effect, and lauric acid seems to be playing a role as well. But when we are consuming higher amounts of these in these studies, they've shown negative health effects. And when we look at the mechanisms, it seems to be that high levels of saturated fat can drive inflammatory processes. And these inflammatory processes interfere with insulin signaling which can have a negative effect on, you know, like, for example, in the previous study where they had higher levels of insulin resistance, this activation of these inflammatory processes interfere with insulin signaling, which leads to insulin resistance. 
And this is shown with uh, saturated fats compared to unsaturated fats. And again, it's mainly the longer chain fatty acids. I don't think this is like a, a major concern where you shouldn't ever eat these foods or you should avoid saturated fats as much as possible. It's just that high amounts of these foods may drive inflammatory processes. It's probably not ideal to be consuming higher amounts of these foods based on the available data. So that's all I have for this episode in terms of overall content. Quick summary before we sign off. So saturated fats, there's various types of saturated fats. They're found in meat, dairy, coconut and palm oil, and then also chocolate. There's longer chain fatty acids, medium chain fats, shorter chain fats are more easily absorbed and utilized for energy. Overall, saturated fat consumption seems to be associated with slightly increased risk of cardiovascular disease and death from any cause and also cancer. This is likely driven by saturated fats from meat and not necessarily from dairy or from chocolate, but like meat most likely palmitic acid and stuff like that as well, but we weren't, MCTs like the palm oil and the coconut oil weren't necessarily a big part of the diet just to the last five or 10 years from almost nobody. So we don't have great data on the long-term health implications of those things. So most of the saturated fats in these studies that people are consuming is gonna be meat and dairy, or meat and butter and dairy sources and probably a little bit of dark chocolate as well. So overall, Saturated fat seems to be associated with higher rates of cardiovascular disease, mortality, and death from any cause. And um, this seems to be largely driven by LDL cholesterol when it comes to cardiovascular disease. And the variation in response to saturated fat consumption and LDL cholesterol is dramatic between person to person. So if you don't see high levels of LDL cholesterol when you consume more saturated fat, your risk is probably less than others and consuming more is probably not associated with many negative health outcomes, you know, to a certain point, of course. Now, general guidelines recommend to stay under 10% of total energy from saturated fat. I think that's a, a prudent piece of advice to try to do that. But I think it's more important to focus on limiting certain sources of saturated fat as opposed to like just hitting a number. So if you're getting you know, 10% of your diet from saturated fat, but it's coming from chocolate and dairy, it's going to be a little different than if you're getting 10% of your diet of saturated fat from you know, coming from fatty meats. And so this needs to be taken into consideration in your own diet as well, but that 10% range is a good guideline to shoot for. If you have high LDL cholesterol, you may want to go even lower. If you don't have high LDL cholesterol, probably not a big deal to worry so much about trying to reduce it. So that's all I have for this episode. I hope this episode was helpful. I hope you now understand this topic a little better. I know this was a lot of information to cover, but I think that my goal with these episodes, with some of these more in-depth episodes, is for you to walk away and have a good grasp of this topic and be able to identify when information is correct and identify when information is misleading and make decisions about your own nutrition. Thanks again for tuning into this episode of the Nutrition Science Podcast. Hope you all have a great week and we'll talk soon.